Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, we've been in a series called Mary and Bright. Mary and Bright, we're going to finish that series today. And we've really been kind of talking about how do we make Christmas really merry and bright? Because if we're honest with ourselves, if things go wrong, if certain things get burnt, if certain things, um, you know, presents don't work out the way we had dreamed them to go, someone's attitude might be a little more cranky than we can deal with. Uh, Christmas sometimes gets a little less merry and a little less bright. And so today we're going to finish uh, this series that we've been talking about. We've talked about questions that we can ask to kind of change how we view Christmas, to make sure that it's merry and bright. We've asked how and why and when. And there's another one that I can't remember which one it was. Um, How? There we go. Uh, All these questions that we've asked about Christmas. And today we're going to ask the question, now what? Now what? Now what do we do with Christmas? Now what do we do with what all happened? Now what do we do? And today is a good day to start doing that because we've... Uh, we've, we've transitioned from the, the happening of Jesus being born to moving to the wise men uh, episode, the Magi episode of what happens after uh, Christmas goes on. There's a lot of questions. Okay, you, you know about this. If you're a first-time parent, and um, especially you, I've just observed from my wife. I'm not going to in any way, shape, or form think that I know what you went through being pregnant. Uh, But just observing, like, the first time that you're pregnant, you're like, I can't wait for this to be over. All right? Like, oh my gosh, I just want to be able to, you know, sleep or because when you have a newborn, you sleep so well. Um, Right? Because you don't, your reality is all wrapped up in I'm just pregnant right now. And then once you're not pregnant anymore, you've had the baby, you go, oh, life is different because that thing doesn't go away. Like it's there all the time. That's the dad's perspective, right, Dean? Uh, so pet rock face, he just cries, you know, <laughs> and, and does some other bodily things. And that's, that's all it does for the first you know, six months. And that's where you're at. And so you have to look at Joseph and you have to look at Mary and you go, they're in the now what face. The angel has come to me and said, don't be afraid. They go, okay. But this got really real. There's a baby and it's crying and stuff. Like, do you let baby Jesus cry it out? Like, this is a deep theological question, right? Like, Jesus, he'll be fine. Because I know the way in which I treated my children. It's like, no mercy, no nothing like that. Yeah, you'll deal with it. You're, the advice I got from an expert, a registered, you know, an expert, an author in the field was, if they're crying, Jared, they're breathing, it's okay. It's like, huh, okay, fair enough. And so, but do you do that with Jesus, right? What happens? How do you handle the, the, the hard part of Jesus when you're exhausted and you haven't slept for 10 weeks, right? And you just want to pull your hair out. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. What do you do when it's baby Jesus, the son of God? Because you can't lose your mind over baby Jesus. I, th- I think 
you know, that would be a, a no-no. And I wonder at those times if Mary's going back to the promise of the angel, don't be afraid, you who are favored by God. What do you mean I'm favored? I got a crying little baby that's had to walk 90 miles pregnant. Like she, if anyone ever had a chance to like be a little grumbly with, with God, Mary's got a good case. But this is the promise that she's got from, from the angel, from God himself to say, don't be afraid. You who are favored by God, you're going to have a baby and his name's going to be Jesus. Now that just escalates. Don't be afraid. Now, whenever you read the Bible, if you know the scriptures all, if angel or God says to you, don't be afraid, you should be afraid. Because something real is getting ready to happen. And so the first thing is said to her is, don't be afraid. And she's like, oh, Lordy. The next is, you are favored by God. Oh, no. David was favored by God. He got to run around the desert for 17 years before he became king. You know, this is, this is rough stuff. And then she says, even the, wor- the worst or the most exciting part is, you're going to have a baby and his name is Jesus, which means the one who saves. You will be having the Messiah, the Emmanuel, the God with us. This is who your baby's going to be. <sighs> Heart, you know, blood pressure goes up. Little little term, ulcer forming. Uh, you know, the, the the anxiety and the stress on that must have been pretty crazy to, to put yourself in that position to think about that. And then what happens next? Because if you look at the scripture, any time God starts writing a story in your life, in 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 someone in the scripture's life, things get very interesting. God doesn't write dull blessings. It's like, oh, and they lived an uneventful life for 40 years. This is not what happens. God starts writing your story in crazy, wonderful, amazing, hard, difficult, stress-inducing things happen. All of them at the same time. See, when we go into uh, thinking about this, this promise of the angel to Mary, don't be afraid. You who are favored by God. And I start thinking, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does it affect me? How is it going to change me? What am I going to do with it? For us, where we're at today, when we ask the question, or we see that, don't be afraid. We who are called by God to be his man or his woman, that are favored, that are co-heirs with Christ. I would call that favored by God. What does that mean for us? At its rudimentary, at the, the metaphor I've been dealing with is what that looks like to, to give our lives fully to God is to give the, the pen of our lives to God. The complete authorship of our lives, what that looks like. The story of our lives, we give that to God and take it away from ourselves. Because when we try to write our story, we try to make a, you know, a Disney movie out of it, and it's going to be cute, and everything's going to go great, and, and we're going to get all the blessings, and, and we're going to win the lottery every day, and we're going to, you know, the, the bears are actually going to win something. And, you know, all these things are going to happen. That was for you, John. Uh, so <laughs> those things are going to happen as you write the story for yourself. But when you give the pen, the authorship to God, 
life changes dramatically. Because now we've, we've said, okay, God, I, I'm going to give you the pen of my life. I'm going to give you authorship and control of my life. That means I don't have it anymore. That might be a very scary thing for you. Scary thing for me to say, God, you've got control of who I'm going to be and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to live and how I'm going to conduct myself. That is Amazing. But when we say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be my savior, that you will actually be Yeshua, that you will be the one who saves. For me, I'm giving lordship of my life to you and giving you the pen of my life. If we think about a great character in a book, they're not boring characters. They're ones with highs and lows, with drama. Not causing drama, with drama in their life, right? They're the ones who have to overcome huge obstacles. Those are the heroes that we see. Those are the people who are like, oh, they're an amazing character. They're an amazing person. I want to be like them. And into that moment, and God's saying the same thing to Mary as he says to you, don't be afraid, you who are favored. Give me the pen, and we're going to write a story. That's what happens. And that's what we get to be a part of. And so when we ask the questions of now what? The answer is we give God the pen of our life and we get to see what happens. Because from the very beginning, Mary has this baby. It's been hard enough. They had to do all the stuff that we're, we're accustomed to. They get kicked out into the, into the cave uh, to have the baby. You know, they got to walk 90 miles to go pay taxes. Everyone's favorite thing to do in the world. And we've only just begun. Because what happens right after the wise men leave in Matthew chapter 2 is when they had gone, they was the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he, which is Joseph, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. We don't often... Talk about this part of the Christmas story, do we? Genocide's not something we usually look forward to. Nothing says merry and bright like a good bunch of infant killings. Right? So this is the story that Mary's, don't be afraid, you who are favored. Doesn't, if I'm writing this story, this is not how this is going. If I'm writing my story, this is not how my life goes. But God takes the pen of their life and says, all right, guys, don't be afraid. You are favored. Here we go. And they go on this crazy, amazing adventure. They become refugees. They become homeless. They lose their job. Like we, we read it as a byline. Just quickly, let, let's get over this part. Yeah, Jesus comes back. And, and he's going to, when, when do the miracles start happening? <laughs> right? But what's going on here is think about the overturning of their whole entire existence. Joseph already, how am I supposed to provide for the son of God? 
As a dad, that's a pretty big stressful thing. But then you throw the whole son of God thing and then you say, you've got to move to a different country. I bet Joseph didn't bring his tools with him. He's like, like, everything is just, just gone. And so there they are. And this is who, who they're going to be. And every step through the desert, across the Sinai Peninsula to Egypt, they must have been thinking, fear not, you who are favored. God, I don't know what you thought favored looked like, but this, this was not what I signed up for. You ever been there? You ever been there with God? Right? Uh, Lord, did you forget about me? Did you, what, what's going on? Yeah, ask these questions. You struggle through that? There, it's easy to get there. But when we really struggle through those questions, I think it's when we try to take the pin back from God. Because if we've given the pen, the authorship of our life to say, God, I want you to write my story. We say, all right, I'm, just, I'm along for the ride. I want to do whatever you're going to do. I want to be the character in this play. I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. What are you going to write with me today? What do I get to be a part of today? That's a different attitude, even through the struggle, even through the stuff, even through the, the junk of life. What are, you, what are you writing in me today? That starts to change how we perceive the trials, how we perceive the, the pain, how we perceive the problems that we face. Because what, what, what can I write? What can I overcome? What are you going to show in me and show through me today? Fear not. You have the favor of God. What if we change how we're asking the question? Instead of asking a now what question, what if we ask, ask what now? Now, if you have ever been a teenager or if you have a teenager, you know the difference in what I'm saying, right? Hayden, go take out the trash. Hayden takes out the trash. Hayden, I need you. Now what? Right? If you didn't say it, you thought it. And you were smarter if you just thought it. Uh, Right? The now what? Oh, my gosh. Now what do they want? I just, now what? Now, parents, if you have a kid that says now what to you, you immediately want to, like, strangle them. Um, Just keep it real. But isn't your reaction different when they say, what can I do now? Now, that that mythical time, I don't know if it's ever happened. But what what do you want? Uh, You might have got one or two those Christmas week. What, What can I do for you now, mom, dad? What can I do for you now? How do we change our mentality from now what? Which is really easy to do when it feels like I'm good, I'm getting sent to Egypt and people are trying to kill my baby. And now what, God? Now what? Maybe the own stuff that you're dealing with in your own life, you kind of feel like, now what could go wrong? Now what is the issue? Now what? What if we ask instead, what now? What can I do now? What do I get to be a part of now? What's the next chapter? You see how that changes our perspective perspective of what's going on in life? I I think it, it dramatically changes who we are. And it all stems from the ability to give the pen of our life and the authorship of our life to God and to say, no, I want you to write my story instead of me trying to write this story my way.
The what now of Christmas is this. To trust, to be humble, and to be willing to go. We learn a lot from Mary and Joseph in this moment of how to actually live a life that lets God write their story. They trust, they're humble, and they're willing to go. As I try to give authorship of my life to God, these are the three things that I need to be participating in. As we start thinking about New Year's resolutions this week, maybe you've already been thinking about it. Maybe you're like, I gotta come up with something. You don't have to. There's nothing in the scripture about New Year's resolutions, by the way. It's not a biblical mandate. However, they can be helpful for you. My New Year's resolution last year was a, a, a kind of big philosophical one. I wanted to be a better dad. That was my New Year's resolution. Because I'd failed at like the lose 20 pound thing and then run a mile and you know, all this stuff. Let's, let's do one that's actually important. Because let's be honest, being a better dad is way more important than losing 20 pounds. And a lot more fun. Uh, so, <laughs> but that, that was my New Year's resolution. Maybe you need to kind of think a little bit more outside the box of what your New Year's resolution uh, should be. Instead of something legalistic, I want to read the Bible through 18 times this year. Okay, calm it down. Um, maybe just start reading the Bible. You know, it's a, we can start there. Uh, but we, we do these New Year's resolutions, and as you're thinking about that, I think a major portion of that is this year, I want to give the pen of my life to God. I want him to write the story of 2020. Because you know what? I tried to write 2019, and I messed it up. Maybe you've been there, right? I want to I give God the pen of my life in 2020 and see what amazing stuff happens. How do we do that? We trust him, we're humble, and we have to be willing to go. To step into God's what now, we must trust him. That's, that's the first interaction of the angel with anyone in scripture. Anytime an angel shows up, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid, fear not. First thing, stop. Now, that's easy for the angel to say. He's not the one that's, I mean, he's the one that's on fire and got like six wings and looks like something out of a sci-fi movie when these people don't even have sci-fi movies to compare that to. Do you understand? Like, we'd be like, eh, it's an angel, cool. Yeah, well, you know, James Cameron did it better. Like, yeah, Steven Spielberg would have done a different, uh, a different thing there. Like, we, we, the first thing they had to say is, do not be afraid. Hold on. And that requires a layer and a level of immense trust. God says, hey, I'm going to write your story for you this year. I'm going to do something amazing in you this year. Mm. I've seen the other people that you do things for. It gets a little exciting for them. Trusting God with who we are, trusting God with our life. Step into that. To say, God, I, I am going to trust you with the pen of my life. See, often, personally, I'm too busy whining. I'm too busy complaining to God to hear the story he's trying to put in my life. That's just me. Not saying you whine to God, just saying I whine to God. But I can't hear God's voice over my own. So how do we step into that? We trust him. Say, okay, God, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this means. It scares the bejeebas out of me. But I'm going to trust you. Second thing we do to step into God's what now, we must 
be humble. We must be humble. See, my now what is usually what I want. What is going to protect me? What's going to get me the most stuff? What's going to set me up the best? My now what is what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. But the humility in this says, God, whatever you want me to do, whether that's flee to Egypt or stay where I am, whether that's something totally outside my personality or something right up my alley. I don't know, but being humble enough to say, this is what God wants me to do. And I don't have to have the authority of it. I don't have to have the final say of it. I'm giving my life to God. And when we do that, amazing, amazing, amazing things happen. Then we give the room for God to actually write the story of our life instead of us are you trying to grab editing privileges. Whenever I write something important, I, I email it to my mom, the editor. It's a good choice, Paul. You know, I say, hey, mom, uh, could you take a look at this? And she sends it back. What were you thinking? No, she never says that to me. She says it very nicely, but it's covered in red ink. Um, I didn't say those words at all. Uh, I've given editorial pro- uh, privileges to my mother when I write different things. I got a feeling that we get that backwards with God sometimes. We're like, God, write my story, but I get to edit it the way I want it. Yeah, yeah, I want to edit it so that I'm rich and powerful and influential and I got, you know, a wife and two kids and a dog that doesn't bark and, you know, I've got all the, everything in the white picket fence. That's how I'm editing it. You in here have me traveling around and I'm not necessarily doing as well financially as, as I would like God. So we're going to rewrite that story, right? We try to maintain editorial privileges over our story. And what we're saying, when we jump, when we give God the pen of our life, we're saying, you God, you're the author. You are the editor of our story that we're stepping into. You see the difference in that? I, this is a personal like tug of war that I have. So, but what happens to us? What kind of story could we be a part of if we kept on trying to, if we step, stopped trying to rewrite whatever God's doing in our life? I know that God has prompted you. I know that God has led you to do different things. Maybe to give something. I don't know what it is. It might be money. It might be a thing. It might be whatever. That God has prompted you to do something. That God has prompted you to speak to someone. That God has prompted you to invite somebody. And you're like, that's a little awkward, God. Going to edit that one? Beto. And we miss out on the blessings. And then we go back to whine to God. God, why don't you ever do anything in my life? Why aren't you a part of of what I'm doing? Well, because you keep on saying no every time I give you an opportunity. Oh, humility lets us see that. When we're haughty and we think too much of ourselves, we'll never even get to the self-realization point of maybe I'm the stumbling block that keeps God from working in my life. Not that God is impotent or not willing to work in my life. It's just I keep on throwing up barriers. Does that make sense? That's hard to think. I don't think that hard. It's supposed to be a feel-good Christmas message, Jared, not make me think. I think it's a fantastic time for us at New Year's to kind of reset that. This will be a year that I give the pen of my life to God. Okay, okay, okay. What does that mean? What does it look like? At the church, uh, starting not next week, but the week after, uh, we are going to launch into a big push for what is my next step in faith? 
What is my next step in faith? Whatever, whatever, wherever I'm at, I'm just a believer. I'm not a believer. I'm just here. I'm asking questions. Okay, how do we take a next step? Maybe I've been following God for a long time and I'm kind of in that, just a, a rhythm. And I don't really want to be in that rhythm. How do I take a next step? What's my next step? And so we're going to, through the whole church, through a sermon series and, and stuff that um, we've developed that will be available online for you to do a 28-day devotional along with us, uh, all kinds of awesome stuff uh, to go along through to figure out what your next step is. And we're going to do that because if we're going to be serious about giving the pin of our life and the authority of our life to God, we need to equip you in some way to, what does this look like today? So whether you've been a believer for 50 years or you've been a believer for about five seconds, there's something there for you. And so um, that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Be, be excited for that. But I want to help this, this next, especially this next season. How do we do that? If I make a big decision, like I want to follow after God, if I want to, I want to give God complete authority of my life, what do I do after I do that? And so I hope we can help you along and guide you on that path of next steps. And finally, to step into God's what now, we must be willing to go. To step into God's what now, we must be willing to go. There's always that rub of God, you're calling me to do something or I feel like you want me to try something, talk to someone. And there's always that hesitancy. There's always that moment when a decision has to be made. What if they laugh at me? What if they think I'm dumb? What if they don't agree with me? What if they are offended by me? What was that first promise of God? Fear not you who are favored. If we step into trusting God and we step into humility before God, this step gets a lot, 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 lot easier. This step is incredibly hard if we don't trust God and we don't have humility before God. I've told this story before. It's been a long time, so you probably don't even remember it. But there was a moment when I, I kept on praying. It was about this time 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. Um, almost that long ago. This time of year, I was in London in college, after Christmas, we left, I think, the day after Christmas. And uh, I had preached that morning. It was a mission trip to London. Yeah, may you all be so lucky. It was a mission trip to London, and the only mission work we did was I preached. Everyone else, very lucky, that got to go, all 15 other people, uh, Kelly included on this one, and my, my best friends from college. So that was the, the whole mission trip was I preached. And so I, I preached all about Peter jumping out, being the new year. It was a new year's message. So uh, Peter jumping out of the boat and walking on water. May this be a year that you get out of the boat and you do something crazy. That's what I talked about in London to a bunch of people I didn't even know. It went over about like as good as a lead balloon uh, flies. But that was, I tried hard, okay? Uh, and so I only preached for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And the pastor then got up and prayed for another 30 minutes. You haven't been in a worship service until somebody's prayed for 30 minutes. I was like, this is cool. But anyway, you didn't need to know that part. But what I preached about was getting out of the boat, doing something that God has called you to do. We go on the tube. It's the cool way of saying, you know, the subway in London. And I felt one of the most 
the strongest presence of God telling me to do something of my entire life. Saying, go pray for that man. It was a homeless guy across the, I, I perceived he was homeless. Not doing very well. Go pray for that guy. No. <laughs> this is me and God having this, this conversation in our head. No. I'm in, what happens? I'm in England. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what, no. Go pray for that guy. Stop comes. Go pray for that guy. We start going again. We stop. I'm having this conversation. I'm like, the dude's going to get off. He's going to get off. Get off. Like, we're going, we're going for like an hour. on the, We're going all the way across London. We're going to uh, the British Museum. It's going to take forever. Pray for that guy. No. And I'm having this conversation. I'm sweating. Like, no, 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 no. Finally, stop before I get off. The guy gets up and walks away. I never prayed for him. It's one of the biggest regrets. Why did God want me to pray for that dude? I had just preached. Get out of the boat. Go do something amazing for Christ. But when the rubber met the road, I couldn't do it. I was scared out of my mind because, I don't know, it was dumb. Yeah, you can come up as parents. I don't want my 21-year-old baby boy praying for some homeless guy in England, right? You guys are like, yeah, yeah, Jared, you made the right choice. But if I'm living it out to trust God with everything that I have, if I'm being humble, then I can go do what he's asked me to do. When my very words of my mouth are, go do something crazy for Christ, go live out for him. That your daily work environment and your, your family environment and how you live should be about God. And then when God speaks to you and says, go pray for him, you're like, mm, that guy doesn't look like I want someone I want to pray for to look. He doesn't smell like I want him to smell. He doesn't act like how I want the act. So could you give me a different story, God? Do you see the problem? I kept editorial rights when I was praying for God to take the pen of my life. And I missed it. I'll never know. I hope I get to see that guy in heaven and be like, sorry, I apologize. He's like, cool, I'm here, you're here, it's good. That's the challenge when we ask God, what do you want me to do now? It's to fully step in with trust and humility and go do what he's called us to do. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. God, I ask you to be with us and guide us. I ask you to shape this next coming year. I ask you to light a fire in us that cannot be quenched. No, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what things that we have going on in our lives, that we continually, every morning, give the pen, the authorship of our life to you, that you get to write our story, that we will become an amazing, an amazing person of God as we chase after you in everything we do, that we will continuously trust you, humble ourselves before you, and go where you call us. God, I ask you to move in this place. I ask you to move in these people. That we would be a body of believers who do not just gather on a Sunday morning, but that are your man or your woman every day of the week in their homes, in their work, at play, no matter what they're doing. That we are yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.